For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love the centurion the man who amazed jesus amen luke chapter 7 and verse number 6 through 9 we'll begin luke chapter 7 verse 6 through 9 the bible says then jesus went with them and when he was now not far from the house the centurion sent friends to him saying unto him lord Trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thou thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Jesus marveled at the centurion. By the way, a centurion was a captain in Roman soldiers and he had a hundred Roman soldiers that reported directly to him. So a centurion, a centurion was the captain of a hundred Roman soldiers. And by the Jews, which they ruled over, centurions were feared and hated by the Jewish people. It would be like somebody coming in our country and taking it over, letting us still live here, but they put soldiers on every corner to govern us, to watch us, to keep control of us exactly what the Roman soldiers uh, were doing. Of all the people Jesus encountered during his time here on the earth, only a few really impressed him. And just so happens to be one of them is this man, the centurion. He displayed generosity, humility, and faith. The Bible says that Jesus even marveled at him. You know, God's generosity to us should encourage us to be giving to other people. Here this centurion goes to get help for a servant, a servant, a slave, who, by the way, he could easily replace, who, by the way, most would not care about the servant or if the servant died. But this man, this centurion, he cared about him and he went to Jesus to get him healed. That should encourage us, Christian, to do the right thing. This centurion had faith 
in Jesus. He knew where to go. Now, if you stop and think the amount of humility it took and the amount of humbleness it took for this centurion to send a man to get Jesus because he knew Jesus could heal his servant. Don't you know word would spread like wildfire through the Roman soldier colony that the centurion called for Jesus, a Jewish who we rule over, who we look down, who we despise, called for his help. A help for who? For himself? No, for some lowly servant that doesn't even matter. But it mattered to the centurion. The little people that don't matter, they matter to God, you see. The little people that everybody looks over, that don't have no money, that don't have no name, don't have no status. They, God cares about them. God sees them. There are only two times in the Bible that says Jesus marveled. Only two times. We find the first time in Mark chapter 6 when the Lord marveled at the lack of the belief of the citizens of Nazareth. And he found it astounding that the people could see so much and still be so blinded and refuse to believe when they had all the reason to believe. The Bible says that Jesus marveled at their disbelief, their unbelief. But the second time he marveled, was found here in our text, in Luke chapter 7. And that's the story of this Roman centurion who had such great faith that Jesus was amazed. Isn't that amazing? The only two times in the Bible. One time, Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. And the next time, he's amazed at this man's amount of faith. What was it about this man that made Jesus stop and marvel? Well, his faith was a big thing. His humbleness, his humility, his caring for those that were below him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's right, amen. Without faith. The Bible even says in Matthew 17, 20, with faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And sometimes I think I have faith. I have a lot of faith. And then I break out and look at a mustard seed. And if you don't have a mustard seed, just think about a BB for a BB gun. That's about the size they are. The Bible says if you have that much faith that you can move mountains. And when I stop and think about that, I wonder, do I really have faith? I mean, I have faith in the Lord, but how much do I have? Because when I look at the size of that mustard seed, about the size of a BB, you go, well, that's not much. But yet Jesus said, if you've got that much, you can move a mountain. And this man, this centurion, had so much faith that Jesus marveled at him. Hey, you want to impress God? You want to impress Jesus? You want him to marvel at you? Show him faith, because that amazes and marvels Jesus. He loves that. Even the disciples did not have the kind of faith that this man had. And these disciples saw miracles all the time. But yet this man, this centurion, had all the faith in Jesus. 
He had somebody he cared about who needed help and needed to be healed. And he knew the man that could do it. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are the attributes found in centurion's life that we can emulate? Well, his faith, his humbleness, his kindness, his caringness, his love for people that were below him. Those are just some of the things, some of the attributes that we can seek to emulate in our own life. Now, I want you to know that this centurion's servant could not help himself. He had to have somebody to help him. Because I was talking to some people, and they were like, what about these people that are, that are always begging? What about these people uh, that are at my gate every day wanting me to get something for them or do something for them or give them money? Well, you should try to help people. But if you're trying to help somebody that won't help themselves and who is able to help themselves, then you are wasting your time. Give them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did the disciples say when they were going to the temple? Silver and gold have I none, but what have I I give unto thee? I give to you the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what you give them, and there's nothing better you can give them. You can give them money. You can give them food. But none of it can compare to giving them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so don't feel bad about not helping those that won't help themselves, that are able to help themselves. This centurion could not, I mean, this centurion's servant could not help himself. The centurion had to help him. You know, with all the financial uncertainty that many are facing today, it, it is hard to find generous people that are willing to give selflessly and sacrificially to the work of the Lord, and also to just the people. But I know from watching people and watching my own heart and my own self that when you truly trust God, listen to me, when you truly trust God to meet your needs, you are then free to meet the needs of others because you know God's going to meet your needs. Let me say that again because it's so deep but yet so simple and so profound. When you truly trust God to meet your needs, you're free to help to meet other people's needs because you know God will meet your needs. Amen? I know you've heard it said. It's like a, you're a piece of conduit. God gives to you and you, you give to others. The philosophy of the world, however, has always been and always will be look out for number one, meaning myself. Me first. Me first. The definition of selfishness is lacking consideration for others, only concerned with your own personal profit or pleasure. It's all about me. That's what the world says. And that's like chasing happiness. You can't be happy by simply chasing happiness. The world does it all the time. They go, you get rich people, they travel all over the world seeking happiness, trying to find myself. You don't find happiness that way. You find happiness by helping others. And happiness is a byproduct of that. Yes, I said that. Happiness is a byproduct of doing what is right and also helping other people. Those who focus on their own personal needs 
cannot focus on the needs of others because you're too focused on yourself. And here, it's listen to me, it's even possible. We're so selfish by nature and it's so hardwired in us that it's even possible to be generous out of selfish motives. What do you mean, preacher? Let me tell you a little story and this will explain it. One Sunday, a pastor was trying to save money, trying to raise money for a program. And he came up with this. He said, we're going to told the congregation, let's take up an offering for this. And the person that gives the most, I'll let that person pick out three hymns for today on a Sunday morning. So they passed the offering plates around. Many people gave out of their heart sacrificially. And his offering place come back up. The, the preacher couldn't help but notice that somebody put a wad of $100 bills in there and it added up to $1,000. And he just had to ask, who gave this money? Well, this little lady raised her hand. She was a little embarrassed. And he said, ma'am, please come forward. And she came forward to the front of the church, humble, kind of red-faced. She gets up to the front and, and he's praising God for her. Thank God for your giving. Thank God for your generosity. And he said, now you get to pick out three hymns. And she turned around and she looked at the congregation with a big smile, big bright eyes. And she picked out the three most handsome men in the place. And she said, I'll take him, him, and him. <laughs> Those aren't the kind of hymns the pastor was talking about. He was talking about hymns you sing. But in her selfish nature, she said, I'll give because I'm going to get something out of it. And a lot of times, Christian, we do that. We give because I'm going to get something out of it. Even as I've even heard people say, I give because I know God's going to give back to me. That's not the reason to give. The reason to give is out of the love that you have in your heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason that you should help others that are down and out is because of the love in your heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason you should reach your hand down in the muck and the mire and try to pick those up that need a helping hand is out of your love for the Lord Jesus Christ and out of your love for them. The Bible says the greatest of all commandments is love the Lord God your heart with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is likened unto it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love God and love people. All the law hang on those commandments. It's so simple, but yet we complicate it. But listen to me, when you reach out in generosity to others, out of a heart of love, you will find blessings are a byproduct of that. That's right. Blessings are a byproduct of your generosity, of your heart reaching out in love to help others. Amen? In other words, the greatest blessings comes not from seeking a blessing, but being a blessing. And I have a whole message on that. You want a blessing? Be a blessing. Amen? That's right. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. And if you look at the context of that, it is not talking about money. No, sir, no, ma'am. I know a lot of pastors and preachers have preached on that and used it for money, and sure you can, but that is not the primary, that is not the primary concern in that passage. Shortly after World War II came to close, Europe began picking up the pieces. Much of the old country had been ravaged by war and ruins, and probably perhaps the saddest sight of all was little orphans starving in Roman in the war-torn city streets, starving 
to death. And as an American soldier was going back to the base early one morning, he saw an orphan leaned up on the window of a bakery, looking through the window, making noises, going, oh, 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 that looks good. And here's this orphan starving to death. And that soldier asked him, young man, are you hungry? Would you like something? Soldier walked into the bakery. Instead of buying one donut, he bought the young man a whole dozen donuts. He walked out. He gave it to the young man, to the orphan. As he turned to walk away, that orphan grabbed his jacket and pulled on it and asked him, Mr., are you God? Listen to me. We're never more like God than when we give. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not, power, should not perish but have everlasting life. So although this centurion was a Roman, he was willing to humble himself and go to the Jews in order to get Jesus. He didn't worry about what his buddies would think, what his pastor or preacher buddies would think, as a lot of people do today. They're more worried about what, what are they going to think? What is this group going to think? Instead of worrying about what God's going to think. This man was just concerned with pleasing the Lord, obviously, because he had it. He had status. He had position. He had power. But yet he chose to go to Jesus for help. We see in this passage that the servant was dear to the master, the centurion. Even though, even though the social status of that centurion was far, far above that servant, he still cared deeply for his servant. And God's word tells us to love the lowly and even the unlovely. And that can be hard at times, ladies and gentlemen. But the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Romans 15.1 We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Ephesians 4.32 and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Forgive one another, the Bible says. Be ye kind, tenderhearted, not only kind, you can be kind and have a stone-cold heart. So notice it says that, kind to one another, tenderhearted forgiving one another. And let me just tell you, when you're that person, like the Bible says, when you're kind, you're tenderhearted, and you're forgiving, you do open yourself up for hurt. You do open yourself up for pain. But you can't love and care without some risk and some reward. So by opening yourself up, you're simply doing what the Bible says. Like I said, you can be kind and have a stone-cold wall of I don't care and build up on the inside. The Bible says to be tender-hearted. Luke 6.35 But love your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great and ye shall be the children of the highest for he is kind unto the unthankful 
and to the evil. He was kind to you, and he's kind to me. And I don't care who you are. We're, we're all sinful. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the Bible says he is kind to the unthankful. How many times have you been unthankful? I know I have. And if you'll count it, you're unthankful on a daily basis. I know you want to believe you're grateful and you're gracious and you're humble and you're a great Christian. But I'm here to tell you, unless you keep that in check, your heart will go the other way. You'll become unthankful. You'll become expecting, I expect this. I expect the best. I expect everybody to bow down to me. I expect not to have to wait in line. I, that'll make you so unthankful. And it'll also make you bitter. But the Lord's always pleased when we reach out to help when someone is in need. You know what? That's what he did for you. And that's what he did for me when he died on that cross. He reached out to help somebody that could not help themselves. Like the centurion sent for Jesus because his servant could not help himself. So the Lord is pleased when you reach out to help someone in need. And I can tell you this, it's a challenge for us believers today to allow people to be dear to us that who might be from a bus route, a lower income part of town from the other side of the tracks or in a convalescent home. It's hard to let those people be dear to us because we opened ourselves up to be hurt. We want to wall up that wall and, and think we're on the other side or we're better than that. We're not like that. But let me tell you, God's not pleased with that. God's pleased when you're like this centurion and you care about the lowly people. Don't you know he could have let that, that servant die easily and replaced him? No problem. But he chose to care about him. Let me tell you, Jesus chose to care about you. He loves you. You're important to Him. He wants fellowship with you. He wants you to be close to Him. He wants to write your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life if you're not saved. Why? Because He died on the cross because He loves you so much. He willfully, He said, no man take my life. I lay it down. And the Bible says that the wrath of God was poured out upon Him. Why? So that by His stripes, you may be healed through his hurt pain and suffering your sins may be forgiven but it's not automatic it doesn't run down a hill and wash over you without anything now you've got to realize where you're at and where you stand before god not where what you think you are or what you see in the mirror but what you really are before god almighty and the bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What does that mean? That means on judgment day when you stand before God and He said, and you want to get into heaven and He says, you'll come up short every time. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, He spanned that gap. He died on that cross. He was buried. The Bible says He ascended into the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And when He arose, He had the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He has the keys to it. He has power over it. And that's why I know that I can trust him to save my soul from the penalty of sin, which is a place called hell. Will you trust Jesus today? 
ask him for forgiveness and to come into your heart and save you. And he will, and he will change you from the inside out. Amen. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.